0: There are fewer than 30 men in the world qualified to drive Formula One. A mere half dozen, perhaps, to win. At this moment, I'm inclined to think you're not one of them.
1: No, you want to. Keep up the good work, and there you have it. There you go. Welcome to SouthABC.com. My name is Mark Rogers. I'm the host of the program. I'll be joined by Nasser Hamid, my co host. This is podcast number 980, February 21st, 2023. Nasser. Thank you, sir. I say testing
2: one, two, three. Formula One this week. Formula 2 and Formula 3 last week. All action in Bahrain. We shall explain.
1: Gladly. Thank you, Nasser. On today's program, 10 days and counting. Honda approached by another team for 2026. Pirelli bringing new wet tires for 2023. Lance emulates Fernando in bike accident and will miss... Pre-season testing, and this week's interview is with Antonio Pisonia. Bravo, bravo! And we need your contributions to keep this program on the air. Just click on the Support F1 Weekly tab. You know you'll want to. Nas, welcome to the studio. How you been? Thank you, sir.
2: I am doing very well and very very excited about what will be happening on Thursday. First day of pre-season testing and just cannot wait to see the cars in action. So really, really looking forward to it. And to borrow a phrase from Mr. Bob Warsha, Girls, it's time to show your legs. In a few days, we will find out if Max and Red Bull are still leg up on the competition by the looks of the new Ferrari and Mercedes. It seems like Max may not be wearing Nancy Sinatra's boots this season and walking all over the competition.
3: These boots are made for walking, and that's just what they'll do. One of these days these boots are
4: gonna walk all over you.
2: But I think by round three we will have a pretty good idea which way the wind is blowing. The only preseason testing will take place where round one will take place Hermann Tilke's wonderful Spa in the Sands of Sahir, Bahrain International Circuit for three days from February 23rd to February 25. All launches have been completed, some more boring than others. All have one thing in common, high on inclusivity and diversity. The racing reality is only a few will taste victory. Last team to launch the cars last week was your favorite, homeboys, Alpine. Interestingly, they brought out two cars, one pinky and one sacri-blue. Cyril Abidbul is gone from the team, but they have launched yet another five-year plan to visit the glory days of Mile Seven and Machismo, who has now departed for greener pastures. And guess who has come to the party to be brand ambassador for Alpine? the one and only Zinedine Zidane. After the pi- Piastri fiasco and Fernando finding a new hideaway, I am glad they have a headstrong man to keep calm and carry on in Enstone, Sir, I want to ask you a question. Bahrain used to be in the daytime, now it's the nighttime. I prefer this phrase nighttime very much. What say you?
1: I really don't care. I mean, I like Bahrain, I guess, as much as the next guy. But at night, in the daytime, it's still very, very sandy. I like Zidane. You know, with the best part, he's also going to be the bouncer for the you know, the little team cafeteria. Each team has where everybody eats and has lunch in the paddock. So, yeah, he'll be head button, Jacques Villeneuve. Yes, that will be
2: interesting. I think after the uh, first uh, test session, three days, we will have a pretty good idea who has the base picante sauce and who is still drowning in their own marinara sauce or Hungarian goulash, as the case may be. The main question being asked, will it be Ferrari or Mercedes that will slaughter the raging Red Bull? I think Max has to start the season as favorite and the two competitive drivers at Ferrari and Mercedes should take the fight to Max. But I think in doing so they will take points from each other, uh, respective teammates, which can only help Dr. Marco and Christian Horner's Golden Goose. Two championship eggs already laid; more to come. What is? What do you think is going to happen? You're always big on uh, sandbagging. Do you think somebody will be sandbagging, or will
1: it be Max and Honda running away? Well, all eyes are for sure on Christian Horner. And those eyes are watching what Christian Horner will be looking at over at the men in black at Mercedes. Because, really, Mercedes are the ones that have to make the big leap. We already know Ferrari is competitive. They just stumble a lot. We know Max is going to be competitive and machismo. So, the interesting thing is how this W14 with still no hips. No hips. Well, we'll see how it comes out of the box. Even Toto is going, he's got his fingers crossed, his ear earrings are crossed. He is anticipating full-blown P1 at every race this season. Then he wakes up and his wife brings him the coffee. So it's going to be very interesting. But really all eyes, and we haven't been talking about this guy, is on LCH. Yes, and you
2: know, speaking of Toto, there is already talk of some design changes coming soon. And he was quoted, he said, and I quote, It is important to be bold in this sport. I am proud of the solutions we put into the car last year. It is not fundamentally the reason that we didn't perform. There are no holy cows in our concept. It's not that we don't want to follow anybody's idea. We stayed with the narrow side pod, but you could see developments which could come with upgrades. The side pods will change. Not soon, but we are looking at solutions. End quote. I have to agree with him. There are no holy cows in Formula One. Let's just hope they don't produce another squealing pig in 2023. Ham will not like that. And speaking of uh, Lewis Carl Hamilton, uh, he's got, you know, Max as their problem, then he's got Charles Leclerc as a problem, and now he's got a unbota's problem in George Russell. So it will be a very exciting season, and it will be very good for the sport if all these uh, top three teams have a... I mean, you can never have three teams having exactly the same package, but if they are competitive and beat each other on a regular basis, I think we're in for a very good season. But uh, something tells me that uh, three in a row is coming. And three in a row, somebody's looking for a third championship. What do you
1: think his chances are? Very, very good. He's in a new green car. And you know what they say, it's always greener on the other side. (laughs) It's going to be awesome. Fernando's going to go in there, show Lance how it's done properly. And it's going to be exciting. And Lance Stroll or Lawrence Stroll will hand out those billion-dollar bills. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I'm proud of Fernando. Once again, a really good decision.
2: He has driven for so many colors. He should ask uh, Crayon to sponsor his final season in Formula One. And, you know, uh, speaking of um, Aston Martin, their golden boy, Mr. Uh, Lance Stroll has some Hand injury while bicycling uh, on a training mission in Spain. First of all, we wish him well, and we want to see him come back as soon as possible. But of course, he will miss the uh, preseason tests and the races just one week after that. Uh, this has given an opening to Felipe Drugovich, the Brazilian kid who won the Formula Two championship last year, and this is a great opportunity for him. Maybe he can do what Nick DeFries did and take the bull by the horn. Can you imagine if Felipe Drugovich does three days of testing and is consistently faster than his teammate, whoever that might be? That will really make a big statement, but blood is thicker than saying I am Formula 2 champion. Regardless of what he does, Lance is going to be back in with his chance to become world champion one day which even mr. Alonso has
1: predicted exactly alonso he knows talent when he sees it Nasser
2: yes I thing he's you know when he saw the biggest talent
1: you mean in the deep dish mirror no in 2007 that was his deep dish mirror uh, yes
2: yes that's the way it goes uh, what else are you expecting from uh, there is a lot of talk on the uh, on the web how this American kid uh, Logan Sargent for two uh, what do you think about him
1: well Logan Sargent we're gonna see I mean he's the only problem is it's it's a Williams you know it's a back marker and but they're supposed to take big steps forward this year and you know everybody's on Logan Sargent but there's a lot of people looking at Nico Hulkenberg will the podium curse be broken this season I'm telling you, there's a lot of things to look at, but I still think at the top is George Russell and LCH and how good the W14 is. Because if the W14 is not, if it's not as successful as the 12 or the 11, then there's going to be some issues. And we're going to see my favorite is lots of frustration on the sideline.
2: Well, I think uh, as long as uh, Red Bull has Honda committed to their program, Max has a very good chance of winning four or five championships before there is a change of power plant at uh, Red Bull. So Max definitely has the advantage. And like you said, if they don't get the package right again and they have to go to plan B, which they are already talking about, it will be very hard with a plan B, to beat somebody who's on plan A++, if you know what I mean. And that's the max uh, factor we have uh, right now. And the Adrian New and the Honda package they have. So that's all very good for him. Hopes are also very high that maybe Charles Leclerc can make something happen. He came pretty close in the early part of the season at least. But I, I'm just hoping that you know if they have a competitive car, I think the team will make less mistakes with the new Sheriff in town. But I don't want to see Charles Leclerc crashing while leading a Formula One race. That will be pretty
1: pathetic. Well, I don't think that's going to happen because Vassar is going to put more pressure on Leclerc. Because Vassar is under pressure to perform this season better than Binotto. So therefore, everybody's got to kick it up a notch. Leclerc is going to kick it up a notch for his brother who speaks French. And then Saint said he's got to pick it up a notch because he wasn't prepared last year. So everybody at Ferrari has to become fantastic. We're going to have flawless pit stops. Almost Swiss-like machine-running machine. machine. Awesome, awesome, awesome. No, it's going to be interesting. So I agree. I think Max and Leclerc could be the dominant force again just like last year while the W14 struggles and Maybe they'll be fighting with Haas.
2: And you mentioned Nico Hulkenberg. I don't think podium will happen if it happens great for him and the team. But between the two drivers, who do you you think will prevail? My take on this rivalry is this. It's going to turn nasty, just like at Alpine. But I think uh, Hulkenberg will deliver more points to the team.
1: I'm hoping so, but miracles can happen. We saw the pole position for Magnussen last year, it was awesome. So you never know what's going to happen in Formula 1. So Hulkenberg, something special has to come out of this season. You don't make a comeback like this when opportunity knocks. Man, you got to make everything happen. So th- there's so much going on in this season. And of course, Fernando, you know, all the eyes are on Fernando, el más macho del mundo. You mean all your eyes are on Fernando? Correct.
2: Yes. You know I- One thing I will say about Fernando, they say, and they've always said that, if a car looks fast, it will go fast. And that Aston Martin is a beautiful package. There's no question about it. And if they give this guy a fast car, he will deliver. And just case in point is how he raced his BFF in Hungary. Uh, Was it last year or two years ago?
1: Could have been two years ago. You know, I'm not very young anymore.
2: Yeah, same here. I mean, the guy, the guy is incredible. We all know that we, you know, we have some fun at his expense, but he can afford all the jokes at his expense. It should not be a problem.
1: Anything else we should be watching out from the testing, sir? Of course, all the new team principles that we have rustling about. Let's see how, which one makes the, the MVP. You see what I'm saying? Sort of like NFL, you know, who's going to be the most valuable principal? There's a lot of things to watch. And not only that, but really, this is last year's car just developed. So that's why Toto is being reserved. He knows he doesn't have a miracle cure. He knows Adrian Newey is working overtime to kick Mercedes' ass. So it's, there's so much to watch that it's frightening. But I can't believe it. Ten days, Nasser, excuse me, ten days, and we're going to be an FP1 drinking Pabst Blue Ribbon. And having some fromage.
2: And falafel, remember the race is in uh, Bahrain.
1: Falafel and some hummus.
2: Yes, and you have to be peacey now. You put down your pasties and have some rose water.
1: Rose water with rose petals.
2: Yes, and listen to Lynn Anderson singing, I beg your pardon. I never promise you a rose garden. I
0: beg your pardon.
1: I
2: could be the song for uh, Fernando
1: Alonso and Lewis Hamilton this year. It could be. It could be as Max looks in his rearview mirror and says, "Aloha." Hey. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. I hate to say it, but yes, it will be a full-blown Max domination. And Honda's already said that now they've got everything cured, reliability will be over the top, so no DNFs for Max. He will just take the whole season. Like the one of my favorite teams, of course, the 76 Dolphins, Nasser.
2: Yes, and uh, you know, Honda is also saying that teams have approached them for their power plant. And there is even talk about uh, Zach Brown going peaches and herb, reunited and feel so good. Who knows, third time uh, could be the charm for McLaren Honda, like it was the first time around. The second time, I could not believe. Honda hondaku would bring such a complete disaster to formula one i'm sure they had their reasoning and their excuses and this and that but boy the japanese tenacity has turned that gp2 engine into a powerhouse uh, i would love to see them stay in the business uh, for formula one and you know already is coming so this is just going to be a wonderful world and uh, sir i am just like you and Millions of Formula 1 fans missing Formula 1 action so much. Why don't we invite a driver into the palatial studios
1: who has driven in Formula 1? What say you? That's a good idea. Not only that, but I remember a few things. One of them was uh, he drove on Bridgestones and Michelins during his career. So he's got the full, full, full expanding experience.
2: Yes, sir. So uh, we present our little conversation with Antonio Pazonia, and he is from the Amazon region of Brazil. And when he was racing in British Formula 3, his nickname was Jungle Boy. And uh, this conversation took place uh, about a week ago in Miami. And uh, please enjoy the conversation. And we shall return with Melchized Sports Mondial after the interview. Okay, folks, I'm here with Antonio Pisonia. Papa, that is. Antonio, some years ago we met at Laguna Seca when you were racing. Please tell our listeners what brings you to a go-kart track in Miami homestead.
3: <laughs> well, back to the roots. I mean, now my son is racing and uh, it's uh, his first year of, of karting. And it's been pretty good. It's uh, difficult difficult uh, stage in life where you have to learn something new also on my side it's also new because i have to teach or try to teach everything i, I know to my son and, and and be a dad as well at the same time it's quite difficult but it's been it's been a good journey so far uh, he's doing really well i'm very pleased with how things are going and and uh, yes he's only 10 uh, let's see what what happens uh, in the future, I mean, uh, we have a busy busy schedule this year with a lot of races and we'll see. We won the championship this weekend here, so it's a good start of the season for us and for him.
2: Last month he won both races here. question is, how quick is he at
3: this stage, age? Compared to Papa, when you were at that age. <laughs> <laughs> Very similar, I would say. Uh, when I was nine, I, I started when I was nine, and I won my first championship uh, in my first year of, of go-karting, and he did the same. So I think we're pretty similar. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a long way to the top, you know. It's, uh, there's a lot of good kids around, and... Uh, like this weekend for example in micro we have uh, almost 40 kids mini which is the next level up uh, 40 kids on the track and 20 of them are very very close to each other and and it's difficult but uh, in a way uh, it's better when it's hard like this because uh, i think he can learn more so yep When you were at his age, um, I don't know about
2: your background, if your dad was interested in racing, uh, in case he was not,
3: how easy it is for him that you have all the experience compared to what you went through? Uh, It definitely helps. I mean, my dad wasn't involved with racing at all, and uh, so things were more, obviously more difficult. Luckily, he was able to hire a coach for me at the time, and uh, which obviously, obviously helped a lot. And, uh, and now I'm doing the same, same thing for him, for him as, uh, as a father, as a coach as well, and trying to teach him as much as possible. Uh, he was supposed to start racing like two, three years ago. Then the pandemic came and we were stuck in Brazil with no racing, no karting, no... No traveling around, and uh, yeah, so now we are trying to pick up the the time that he lost, uh, because 10, 10 is already, he's going to be 11 this year, so 10, 11 is already a bit late to start racing, and uh, like I said, he's he's been racing for only one year, but he's doing well, so I'm, I'm pleased. Uh, how things uh, are progressing with him. So. Most young, talented young drivers go to Europe. What made you uh, decide to bring him and race in the
5: good old USFA?
3: I mean, like I said, he's uh, he's been racing for only one year and uh, the plan is uh, to go to Europe at some at some point, some stage, but uh, I don't think he's ready yet. Like I said, we lost a couple of years. Maybe if he he had started uh, two years ago racing or three years ago racing. He would be in a very high level at, at this age. And probably he would be racing in Europe already, but uh, no rush. I mean, uh, we're going to be doing this, the whole season in the U.S. and maybe do a couple of races in Europe uh, during the year. And maybe next year move full time to Europe, we we'll
2: Okay, uh, based on your experience and how the sport is today, how long do you think a young kid should stay in karting before moving into single
5: seaters?
3: Uh, it depends how well you start. I mean, my son started when, when he was nine, almost ten. Usually, the kids nowadays they, they start at five, six, uh, maximum seven years old, and uh, I think when you are 14, I think if you have a good Good experience in karting. I think you are probably ready to to move. Otherwise, if you like, in my son's case, that he started a little bit late, maybe one year, one extra year in karting. But we'll see. I mean, I don't think it depends. Uh, the, the driver it depends how how quick he progresses. And uh, yeah, th- that's it. Really, there's no not a. A specific age in my in my head. You're from the Amazon region
5: of Brazil. How popular is motorsports especially grassroots karting scene, uh, in
3: that region compared to, let's say, Sao Paulo and Rio? Not at all. I mean, there's no there's no racetrack over there. Not even when I. When I started racing 30 years ago, there was a car track, and uh, yeah, I had to move all the way to Sao Paulo to race, uh, that's where I built my, my kart in Korea, in, uh, racing Sao Paulo, Interlagos, and, uh, and today is the same thing really, uh, there's no, no, no car track, no background, no racing, and uh, yeah, it's quite difficult, but that's how it is <laughs> <laughs> ok
5: um, the lifeblood of motorsports is money how is the
2: sponsorship seen uh, in Brazil I, the reason I'm asking is I once asked Valtteri Bottas his dad you know uh, Finland is a very small country uh, he said sponsorship is available in his country but you have to be very good how is it in Brazil
3: uh, obviously the more the more success success you, you make uh, the easier to, to find sponsors but But in Brazil, I mean, uh, motorsport is not is not very popular in Brazil right now, like like it used to be when on Senna days, BK days. I mean, it's uh, I mean Brazil is all about football, really, and. and samba? Yeah, samba a little bit, but samba is only one week during the whole year. And uh, football is every day, every week, every weekend. Yeah, people are really fanatic about football in Brazil. And motorsport is not that, that popular uh, right now. And uh, even karting, uh, I remember when I was a kid, uh, there was so many karting tracks in, in Brazil, especially in the Sao Paulo area and now it's becoming less and less popular unfortunately but yeah, a sponsor is always difficult to find especially at this this age you know when you're 10, 11 it's almost impossible to find a sponsor unless someone is really willing to help instead of uh, trying to, to get a return in terms of visibility for, for its brand but yeah, it's, it's very hard. I mean, if you don't have the money to, to start, it's difficult. You mentioned Senna. Uh, can you share your memories with us of meeting him? I met him very briefly uh, during the Brazilian Formula One race. Uh, yeah, Brazil GP 1991. I was there to, to watch the race and I saw him inside the garage and... Uh, I went inside the garage to get his autograph, and uh, and that was it. He didn't say a word. I didn't say a word. I just hand him uh, the paper, a piece of paper and a pen, and uh, he signed. And I walked away, and that was it. Hope you still have it. I still have it. Yeah, I still have it. And uh, I was nine, but I remember everything. So it was a special moment in my life for sure.
1: Thank you so much, Antonio. Thanks for joining F1 Weekly. Dot. On that note, why don't we take a quick break, and we'll be back after these brief messages.
4: Honesty is something we all look for, especially when it comes to auto service. Honest Engines Auto Service Tallahassee is where you'll find it. Since 2005, they've been delivering trusted, dependable service to Florida's capital. Honest Engines is your full-service auto repair center. Bumper to bumper, they have you covered Honest Engines Auto Repair offers a variety of services. Transmission repair, oil chain service, and much, much more. Don't let just anyone work on your car, bring it to Honest Engines. They'll give your baby the care it deserves. They work closely with you to make sure you know what's being done. With Honest Engines, you don't have to guess what their team is doing. They're highly experienced and certified technicians know just what your car needs, and they'll make sure you do too. So if you're in the Tallahassee area and you need auto repairs, Give Honest Engines a call, 850-421-8461, and tell them F1Weekly.com sent you. Honest Engines Auto Repair, right on the corner, right on the price, 718 Gay Street, Tallahassee.
1: Welcome back to F1Weekly.com, Clark Rogers here, your host. And now, as we spin the globe and go around the world with Motorsports Mondial, with the king, the swami himself. Nasser Hamid
2: Thank you sir, I have to ask you did you watch the opening round of your favorite series
1: Le Nascar You know I'm afraid I did not see Le Nascar, I was out of town in a hotel that did not have the Daytona Five hundred. Oh wow, you stayed
2: at Ritz Carlton? Correct. I don't I will be surprised if they're showing uh, NASCAR races. But No, they were showing they were showing Dijon Prenois,
1: nineteen seventy
2: nine. Or Goodwood Festival of Speed. And you know, Mr. Rogers, I was also out of town. I took a uh flight on frontier to the city of Brotherly Love. My nephew lives there and uh, they have a museum called Simeon Museum. You probably heard of it. I went there with my nephew and it is very, very nice. I took some pictures which, will, which we will post on the Fun Weekly page uh, soon. And they have a lot of nice cars there um, Ferraris and Aston Martin and Mercedes and BMWs. And they have a little s- a section for Mille Targa Florio. Very, very nice. Brooklyn's. And then as I was walking around, I don't know why, there was like a big door. And you could tell it's like a door to a hallway or something, which was closed and dark. And out of nowhere, this guy comes to me and he says, Hey, did you check out the Alfa Romeo in the in the garage or workshop? And I thought it'll be one of those 1930s cars because most of the cars are from that era. Man, I go there and my nephew is like, what's going on? And I'm like, total freeze frame. They have a Campari-sponsored Alfa Romeo from the early 70s sports cars. And I remember those cars very well. Because at one time, I think it was 1975, Alfa Romeo with Campari sponsorship, if I remember correctly, won the World Sports Car Championship. And cars were prepared by Willy Kausen of Aachen, Germany. And so they said they're... The guy said to me, the car broke down, they're fixing it. And I said, hmm, Alfa Romeo broke down. When was the last time that happened? So anyway, I got the um, the lady in charge, her business card. She was not there and I am going to uh, send her a note and ask when this car will be out and I'll make a trip just to see that beautiful Alfa Romeo. And also something very interesting, I found out uh, that... They're going to have a big viewing party for the Le Mans 24-hour race. And they have a lot of cars that race at uh, Le Mans. So what they're going to do in the back area, they have a sort of a like a parking lot. All 24 hours during the race, they're going to drive their different cars for a few laps. So uh, maybe that's something if, if I'm in town or if I have time, I might do that. But this uh, doc, this Mr. Simeon was actually a doctor, Dr. Simeon. This is his private collection in Philadelphia and not too far from, actually pretty close to the Philly airport. So if somebody is in the area, I will highly, highly recommend. And on that historical note, we go to the future of the world, and the future of motor racing. Daytona 500, round one of the NASCAR nation. This was my favorite part. The 200-lap race turned into a 212-lap event, thanks to overtime and numerous cautions. When it was finally over, the winner was one of Danica Patrick's ex-boyfriend, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. So congratulations to him. Now, you know, this is the they called it the Great American Race. Obviously, it's a very big event in the American racing landscape, and this is where Richard Petty made his name. But interestingly, you know, some of the biggest names in NASCAR never won this race. And they include Tony Stewart, Kyle Busch, Rusty Wallace, despite driving for Roger Penske, Terry Labonte, and your favorite, Ricky Rudd. And even the great Dale Earnhardt, he had only one win in this race. So it is uh, quite an event for NASCAR. And now they're going to have a race almost every weekend. So good for them. Okay, sir. From Sands of Daytona we go to Sands of Arabia Formula Regional Middle East fifth and final round took place over the weekend at Yas Marina and they having you know three races per weekend. Toto's new George Russell, Italian Kimi Antonelli clinched the championship. Not bad for a sixteen year old who last year won both the German and Italian Ford championships. This year in European theater, he will race in Formula Regional Europe, also known as Freca. And this is what used to be uh, Formula Renault Euro Cup. And I fully expect him to win this championship also. His real litmus test will come when he reaches Formula 3. So this kid, was I've been following his career when I first heard that he has been taken into the Wolfpack. And this was when he was in karting a few years ago. Taylor Bernard from England was second in the championship. Sebastian Montoya, son of you-know-who, was 21st in the standings. No win, no podium. And he's in the Red Bull Junior program. Good for him. And we're going to follow the uh, Franca Series Formula Regional European on a regular basis. And I'll see how these young drivers do. Okay, the other series that was also happening there at Yas Marina was Formula 4 UAE. Suzuka-style season finale in race 3 of the final round. Aussie made James Wharton won the first two races of the weekend. In the final race, it was him or Finnish driver Tuka Taponen, who will be champion. Both are members of the Ferrari Driver Academy and driving for the same team, Mumbai Falcons. So this was a case of Falcon and the Snowman. The start was yesterday and Suzuka once more. The teammates took each other out before the opening lap was completed. Advantage, Wharton. Ozzy May took the title. According to fake news, he sent a text message to his challenger saying, Tuka, It's called a motor race. And that is, the Asmarina. Marina, yesterday once more. Okay, sir, let's see what else we have. Oh, the big beneficiary of the clash and rocking the Casper in Abu Dhabi was a young man from New York. Who Chris Berman would call the Nigerian nightmare. Ugo Ugo Chukwu. Ugo is under Zach Brown management, and just like Zach Brown, he is one of the few Americans who have won a karting uh, championship in the last, karting world championship, I should say, in the last 25 years. And I think he is doing the right thing. He was a rookie champion in British Formula 4, and he's going to repeat that. And you know, the way they are doing with him and also Kimi Antonelli, this gentleman who runs the Mercedes driver program, his name is Gwen LeGru. He decided that best thing for Kimi is not go straight into Formula 3, but go through Formula Re- Regional Europe, which I think is a very, very small idea. So we'll see and we'll keep reporting on these whippersnappers, the winning whipper snappers. Okay, sir, now we come to Diana Ross segment. Bahrain has already seen pre-season testing. Past week, Formula 2 and Formula 3 drivers were in action, getting ready to knock now, knock, knock-in on heaven's door to get into Formula 1 in a few years. Some will make it in one, some will take two or three, some may never get there. Today we will look at some of the leading candidates in both series and who has a realistic chance of reaching the pinnacle of motor racing based on performance, and not having two noses or three ears, in the name of diversity and inclusivity. We want people to come into Formula 1 based on performance. Do you
1: concur, sir? I do indeed. Thank you, sir.
2: Okay, sir, and this is just not in any order, but you know, some of the drivers, so we shall start with Jack Duven. Last year he was a rookie in Formula 2, and like fellow rookie Logan Sargent, was very impressive. He has moved from Red Bull Abattoir to Alpine Academy. He has a tough master as a guiding force, and that would be his papito and MotoGP legend McDewan. Jack took three wins in 2022 and finished sixth in the championship. In 2023 he will also be a reserve driver for Alpine. I just hope the team has given his contract to the F. Lee Bailey of Formula 1 for a thorough review. To make sure they have a watertight contract so we don't have another Aussie leakage and slip away. Next is your fellow Français, Monsieur Théo Porcher, Young, fast and French, I am surprised he did not win the F2 Championship last season as he was in his second year in the series. He had three wins and was second in the championship, 101 points behind championship winner. Filipe Drogovic. And Filipe, I must say, was in his third year. Lucky for Theo, he is still in the Sauber Driver Academy and he better win the championship in his third year because the Germans are coming soon and they want discipline and uber domination. Otherwise, his career will be torpedoed by a Stuka. Next on the agenda, sir, is Ayumu Iwasa. He was pleasant surprise of the 2022 Formula 2 season. He is the second coming of Yuki Sonoda. Both are very quick and both supported by Honda, but he is not a potty mouth yet. He took two wins in his rookie season and finished in fifth in the standings ahead of Jack Tughun. There has never been a Japanese Formula 1 race winner not a Japanese Formula 2 champion. Hopefully, Iwasa-san can change that. Among the rookies who may rattle some cages, we have two drivers that I'm keeping an eye on. One is another French guy, Victor Martin. and But he is not so young, he will be 22 in June, and that is not a spring poule in motor racing. When you're trying to get to Formula 1, last year he won the F3 championship, and in 2020, he was Formula Renault, Euro Cup champion. And man, I'll tell you, if he can surprise the hell out of everyone and become a rookie champion, then he, he, will, he will get into Formula One, hopefully. The other guy is Isaac Heijer. Based on his background, he will be launching his own Battle of Algiers in the final frontier before Formula One. He is in loving hands and care of Dr. Marco where the sign on the floor of his office says, Slippery when wet and windless," He is 18 years old and is being thrown into the Barracuda pool that is Formula 2. Hedjar is a talented French driver of Algerian background and came close to winning the F3 championship last year. It really went wrong for him in the last few uh, races. And now, sir, we come to a kid who might just do a Max Verstappen, and this is Oliver Biermann, known as Ollie Bierman. This 17-year-old chap from Chelmsford in England did two years ago what Kimi Antonelli did last year. That has been both the Italian and German Formula 4 championships. Last year in Formula 3, he finished a very impressive third, only seven points behind the champion, Victor Martin. He is in the Ferrari Driver Academy, and they are putting him in the top team in the Formula 2 Championship, Prema, which is also based in Italy. If this kid can rattle cages and win the F2 Championship in his rookie season at the ripe old age of 18, I think Pedro de la Rosa should text Carlos Sainz Mas Rapido Amigo. And we will see how it works out. Now, sir, we come to look at some names briefly in Formula 3. you got to crawl in Formula 3 before you can run in Formula 2. A lot of French drivers coming through the system uh, this guy is at least uh, French speaking. Grégoire Saucy I think he's from Switzerland uh, based on pre-season testing in Bahrain last week. He was saucy and spicy and just might surprise some people uh, this season. Then we have Gabriel Mini, like Nino Vaccarella. He's also from Sicily. He is managed by Nicola Tar and is in the Alpine Travel Academy and he has to get going because him and the other driver are going to text next. Uh, they've had uh, quite a few chances. And the other person is Caio Collet from Brazil. He was, was once promoted as the next big thing from Brazil since Ayrton Senna. This will be his third season in Formula 3. I think the 530 DHL plane is already gone which was supposed to carry his F1 dreams to the promised land. But I think Nicola Tords, you know, he has all the connections, he knows all the right people, and uh, his American Express card is still valid, and, you know, what they say, membership has privileges, so there is hope for Kyo. This is how I look at it, and this was really drilled into me by, of all the people, Nick DeFries. If you're going to take three years to win Formula Renault or Formula 3, you're never going to win Formula 2 in your first attempt. Maybe someday somebody will. So these people have their work cut out. So there's another kid that I am very excited about, and my criteria is performance only. And this is Dino Beganovic. He could be the next super sweet. Remember, Ronnie Peterson was known as the super sweet. In the 70-plus years of Formula 1 racing, only two drivers from the Viking nation have taken race friends, Joe Bonnier and Ronnie Peterson. Adino uh, is in the Ferrari Academy. And sir, this day and age, you just cannot do anything in racing without inclusivity and diversity. Do you remember this German girl, Sophia Flor, some years ago? She had a incredible crash where her car went backwards flying into the air and crashed into some sort of a media stand. Do you remember that at
1: Macau? I do remember, yes. I mean, the car was literally flying. She missed a pole uh, that was there, and she was so lucky. That was like four
2: years ago, four or five years ago. And your favorite team, Alpine, has now drafted her. And I don't know if you saw the Alpine uh, launch. Uh, They were saying, oh, she's very strong and this and that. And, you know, we wish all the best to everybody. But come on. If you're running outside the top 10 for years and years in Formula 3, You're not going to come into Formula 2 and Formula 1. But, you know, we'll see. Also in Formula 3, sir, is Sebastian Montoya, also known as Mini Monty. His papito, the full Monty, uh, drove for Dr. Marco's team in Formula uh, 3000 back in the day. And now, you know, Sebastian has joined Red Bull Junior program. Early indications are that he's a cool-headed kid, but not very hard on the right pedal as Papa. So uh, we will see how it goes. I will. I, I can already see Sebastian Montoya doing the best he can and then in a couple two or three years we'll see him in Indy Lights or Indy Car Racing. But we wish him and everybody all the best. And now, sir, something uh, very, very important. We come to the UPS update and I have to say thank you to the host of FM Weekly, Mr. Clark Rogers, Last Friday I got a package of love from the host of F1 Weekly, some magazines from 1969 and 70 and early 70s also, and Mr. Rogers. I got great pleasure in reading them. Reading them, looking at the pictures obviously brings back a lot of memories of travelers who were young in those days, and so was I. And some of them have become Omega stars of the sport or TV pundits. But a few things caught my attention. And I always love looking at photographs of old cars and old tracks. But there were a couple of things that got my attention, and I would like to share some bits and bobs here. There was a report on the 1969 French Grand Prix at the Sherard circuit, which is in Clermont-Ferrand. And they expressed a big surprise that Jackie Stewart won the French Grand Prix from pole position in his matra. And it said that this is something that has not happened in quite a while. Nowadays, if you don't get on a pole and you win a race, chances are your name is Max Verstappen. But, you know, times were very different in those days. And the other thing uh, that got my attention interesting, somewhere it said, Keke Rosberg and Mike Hawthorne are the only world champion champions to win only one race in their championship winning season, which is of course true. 1982 for KK and 1958 for Mike Hawthorne. But what is also interesting, the gas man in America, Tom Sneema, he went one better than them. Many years ago, he won the IndyCar championship without winning any race. So, you got to do what you got to do. Okay, sir, now we present our segment called Deep Dive into the Archives. You know, over the years, we are blessed with having the opportunity to talk to a lot of great racing legends and uh, we would like to share a few minutes of this conversation which took place at Laguna Seca many years ago with uh, Bobby Unser. So please enjoy.
5: Okay, I'm here with one and only Bobby Unser, a great American legend. Bobby, you started your career in uh, Roadster's front engine, then you saw Jim Clark and Colin Chapman came here and then came the young guns, Rick Mears, Michael and Reddy. Racing changed a lot in that time frame. What were the changes that you liked and what were the changes that you did not like?
0: Well, the changes that I liked was that there was a lot of innovations in those days. and You could dream up an idea, think of one, make it, develop it. And have something over the other cars and that was just the 60s and the 70s was was of course the golden years of racing and it was world over not just the United States unfortunately then they they started getting so much technology the rules makers couldn't keep up with the engineers and cars have becoming spec cars and that's what's sad computers have taken over the drivers. Drivers are becoming less heroes. The engineers and the computers are becoming the heroes. And the people don't like it. The fans don't like it. And that's the part I don't like. (laughs) Now,
5: talking about uh, engineering, I've spoken to some people for whom you drove, uh, team members, and they always said that you were a very hands-on kind of driver. Uh, Did you drive team owners
0: and uh, members crazy? I absolutely did, but it wasn't in a bad way. I mean, I made race cars go fast. I became a self-taught engineer, and I became quite good at it. And I always did my own chassis setups. I, uh, I never trusted somebody else, and it wasn't that you had distrust in your mechanics. It's just that if you had hands-on, and then you drove the car, then you really knew what was better or what was worse, and why it was better or worse. So I think that that was largely some of the advantages that I had for a lot of years. And still today when I do things. Who were some of your toughest competitors? Oh, the whole bunch of them. Gosh, I'd have to have an old list. But let I me mean, just look at my brother and Foyt and, and uh, of course, Parnelli, who's here today, uh, is the one that took me to Indianapolis and and uh, made a lot of my opportunities available for me. but. There were so many guys, Mario, Roger McCluskey, Don Branson. I mean, I don't know. I'd have to have some old books to go back and tell you they were tough race drivers. Your most memorable
5: wins, and also some of the races where you did not win, but you were proud of your, uh, you know,
0: drive that day. Well, I had lots of those, but you guys, you must remember that I did hundreds and hundreds of races. And so you can't just pick out one that was your most memorable, and if you did... It would obviously be one that a person won, like my first Indy race, like my first bike peak win, stuff like that. First wins are always the most important for everybody. Now, um, you drove for Roger Penske and Dan Gurney,
5: two great American names, uh, very different people also. Can you tell a little
0: bit about your experience for these, uh, driving for these people? Well, first of all, Dan, I was with Dan. Uh, Gurney a long time and I was a development driver plus the guy that was supposed to win a lot of races and I did and we had good cars and my experiences with Dan were very good he never had enough money but he always had fast cars and with the exception with a few exceptions we won a lot of races with Dan And and, and the people that he had were such good people. In other words, it really furthered my engineering abilities and and my capabilities. I did so much development work for him. Of course, that was a big highlight up to its day. But then, later on, came Roger Well, Roger just gave me the whole thing. Whatever I wanted, I had. And money was never a problem anymore and don't care what I wanted to try don't care what I wanted to experiment with didn't make any difference he never said no and Roger used to tell me I'm right probably 75% of the time so he's never going to say no I tested where I wanted to I did as much testing as I wanted if I wanted to have new pieces built he didn't care who did it or where it came from all he wanted was the race cars to go fast. And what Roger did is he took the excuses for losing out of the whole thing. So there was only winning that's left. And, of course, that's what I was after and that's what I wanted too. So, you know, nobody thought that Roger and I would get along. And, and I was probably one of those. But in all the years, I did four cars for Roger, developed. And almost 100% no arguments. In other words, we really, really, really... And when, when things did go wrong, which they do occasionally, Roger was the first guy there to help. He didn't care where it was. What can I do to help? Sometimes he'd have a tie on, sometimes a suit. He'd take off his tie and the jacket. He'd be in there working. I have a picture Milwaukee things really went bad that day my spare car wasn't race ready and the first one we and we blew up the tub by accident so I had to take the spare car and it had to be set up fast and furious and we only had probably 30 45 minutes to set that car up and Roger and I did most of it ourselves and, and we didn't argue. We just we just meticulously worked at the car. And by golly, I went good in the race.
1: Oh, very impressive.
0: Now, who was a better driver, Bobby Unser or Al Unser Sr.? Well, I don't know. You know, I can't say anything bad about my brother because he won an awful lot of races. If you ever had Al in the right car with the right team, untouchable. I mean, he, Al never made mistakes. He never drove too hard. But he drove hard enough to win. And you just look at his record. It's a fabulous record. I still think I'm a better driver. (laughs) Good for you. Uh, Who won the 1981
5: Indy 500? You or Mario Andretti? Well, Mario damn sure didn't win it. And if anybody thinks
0: they do, just look at the race and see.
5: Okay. Now, recently, Jackaroo did a very good program, I believe, on Speed TV, one hour between you and Mario on this issue. Uh, Is the
0: dispute resolved? Are you friends with Mario now? Well, unfortunately. And I mean really mean unfortunately he used to be one of my very closest friends until he got to thinking that he won the 81 Indy race and of course that was all because of trying to say that I violated the rules and yet he did the same thing and once we got pictures of it and showed it and everything what else can he say and plus it wasn't a violation of the rules anyway otherwise USAC would have never given it back to me, I promise you.
5: But do you guys talk now, or uh,
0: what? Now we don't, and that's the part that I said is very unfortunate. Yeah, I you mean, guys are great heroes, it's very sad. Well, it's more than sad. If you knew what good friends we were before, then you'd know how sad it really is to me. And it'll always be sad, and, and over something that wasn't his, over something that was mine, to lose a friendship isn't that sad. Both of you made your
5: Formula 1 debut at Watkins Glen in 1968. How was driving a Formula 1 car compared to Indy cars? And did you have any desire to uh, pursue a Formula 1 career?
0: Well, uh, in, the, in the beginning of my career, if you want to call it that, we, many years ago, road racing is what I truly wanted to do. But... I couldn't make it there, meaning I couldn't get right. You had to be had to be a little bit comfortable with the money. You had to have ways to get there. And, and I didn't have any money and no way to get to that. So when in 1968, when I had a chance to drive the BRM, I didn't think the car was as bad as it was, and I went for it. Turns out it was a terrible year for BRM, but I still wanted to do Formula One. And thank God I got to do at least a little bit of it.
5: How was that car compared to your uh, Indy car of those days?
0: A piece of junk. I mean, the Formula 1 car was just a piece of junk. VRM just wasn't a good car that year. And also, I found out that Formula 1 was extremely political. In other words, it was so political, it's unbelievable. Even in our own team. Because I think, if, if I remember right, Pedro Rodriguez, who was a good friend of mine, was my teammate and I wrecked the car at Watkins Glen and got into the spare car and found out that engine ran so much better than mine and and I never forgot that That was all politics within our own team and that was so sad now in American racing you normally don't have that happen usually guys are on the same team get equal brakes equal cars equal engines things like that Formula 1 in those days was really different that way. <laughs> you know what
2: I'm saying? Okay, sir, before we get to final famous last words, we're going to have a little musical mondial because you love music, so do I. And today we have a tribute to Mercedes for going back to black. Hope they have a winning tune this season and are no longer in dire straits. Thank you, Mr. Knopfler. <laughs>
0: Well, I wonder where you are tonight You're probably on a rampage somewhere You have been known to take delight in Getting in somebody's hand And you, you always had the neck
1: Fade to black
2: Okay, sir, now we come to famous last words. Mr. Rogers, this gentleman, I think he's from Ireland, Connor Moore, who has become very famous. He does great impressions of sports people, racing people, racing team managers. Have you seen any of his work uh, on uh, YouTube? Oh, he has, um, yeah, a lot of drivers have met him, and he does a great job. And today, you know, uh, he is doing an impression of uh, Will Buxton. And I think it's very funny and very nicely done. So thank you for listening and please enjoy. Bye-bye. This might be the most exciting Formula 1 championship we've had in years. I mean, it's just incredible. Uh, Not since Nico and Lewis have we been this. I mean, everyone is on the edge of their seat.
0: Yeah, to be
5: honest
2: with you, I really don't give a shit.